0: Promo Kitchen is an all volunteer, nonprofit organization committed to the advancement of the promotional products industry through education and mentorship. If you want to get more involved, please visit us on the web at promokitchen.org. One of the ways you can get involved is by donating to our cause. We rely on our community for financial support to help cover the cost of producing our educational content and our networking mixers. You can donate today right from your phone at promokitchen.org slash donate. Thank you so much, and let's get started with the show. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Promo Kitchen podcast. We are a community-inspired conversation featuring guest suppliers, distributors, and service providers discussing insights into the $20 billion promotional products business. My name is Mark Graham, co-founder of Common Skew, and I'm joined by fellow chef and longtime co-host Danny Rosen, president of Brand Fuel. In today's episode, we get the chance to speak with a promotional products alumnus and to understand what the world looks like when you move from distributor to end user. Our guest today is no stranger to many listeners, Rebecca Coleman. Rebecca got her start in the promotional products industry as the marketing manager for 4 Imprint in 1996. In 2004, she moved over to head up business development for AIA, a role she excelled at for 11 years before she moved away from the industry to join Fox World Travel as their director of marketing. Fox World Travel provides travel management, meeting and incentive services, and vacation travel to a range of clientele across the U.S. They are also an end user like the millions of other end users that distributors call upon every day. Part of what we'll explore with Rebecca today is how our industry looks now that she's on the other side of the fence as a buyer. I hope everyone is taking notes. Rebecca, it's such a pleasure to have you on the show. Welcome.
1: Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here.
0: Yeah. Thank you so much for joining us. I know that Danny and I have been really excited to reconnect with you. Of course, we go back many years, but now that you've joined you know, the other side of the fence or moved over the other side of the fence. It's super interesting to hear what you have to say. I want to start off with your background and I'm curious as to how you got into the promotional products industry so many years ago back in nineteen ninety
1: six. Oh boy. Well at the time I was in Oshkosh, Wisconsin, which is right where I'm sitting right now, and I was in marketing in an accounting firm that didn't really want to focus on marketing. So I started looking for something else. And there was a company called Nelson Marketing in Oshkosh. And I thought, wow, they do marketing. Well, Nelson Marketing was a precursor to 4imprint. And I started there in customer service and then marketing and account management. And it all went off from there. So I remember starting my first day wondering where they made the promotional products. And then you learned very quickly the supply chain and how the industry worked.
0: And I'm curious to understand a little bit more about your role when you joined 4imprint, how your role might have looked had you stayed past 2004?
1: When around 2004, I kind of had a fork in the road. So at the time, 4imprint also was a sister company to Adventures in Advertising, which is now AI Corporation and i had a few different options had i stayed with four imprint it would have been in a marketing role very similar to what i had been doing for a few years okay. and with aia i had the opportunity it was just a very different company same industry but as you know there's a lot of different business models in the industry and yep. i thought as a challenge it was something again something new and different and i thought okay let's check this out
0: yeah that's interesting i didn't even realize that four imprint and aia at one point were the same company at mm-hmm. what point did they separate
1: they came together late 2000, early 2001, and then separated in July of 2005.
0: Got it. Okay. Yeah, I am a little bit
2: shocked that you just said that the AIA thing, that connection, that relationship was intact. Was that really under the radar? I'm completely flabbergasted.
1: It might have been a little under the radar. It was you know, very prevalent to me at the time because I was with 4imprint, but 4imprint's parent company, well, still is over in Manchester, UK. And then the two sister companies, or two of the sister companies, were AIA and then 4imprint in Wisconsin. So it, I think structurally, they've had some changes since then, but it was a way at that time to, you, you had a you know emerging online business model along with the catalog model, but you were missing the people, the people getting out there and meeting with other people. And that's why there was an acquisition made, and the two became sister companies, and for a variety of reasons decided to not stay sister companies. Yeah, interesting.
2: Let's talk about your decision to make a move from the industry. I think we would all agree on this call and everybody listening, I think, in the industry would say that it's very, very hard to depart this wonderful promotional product industry. It's a big family of people and there's a lot of opportunities. And I think it's just so interesting that you, someone who really, you are a big part of PPEF, you were invested in Promo Kitchen and all kinds of, you know, helping others in the community. Why would you leave our industry, Rebecca?
1: <laughs> well, it's interestingly, I did not set out to leave the industry or necessarily to leave anything, but a couple different conversations that were going on in the back of my mind around that time. And one was I was talking to a former coworker of mine that I'm still very good friends with about I had been in marketing and I'd been pulled more into business development and sales management, which is great. It's just not really where I had my passion for. So I was talking about retirement, which I'm not going to be anywhere close to retiring for a very long time. But I thought, it'd be cool to get to do marketing when I retire and just do it for free for people. And then I thought, well, wait a minute. Why do I want to wait till I retire to go back into marketing? And there wasn't an opportunity where I was at the time to fully go back into that. The other thing was, I have two daughters that are both in college. And one of them and I were having a conversation about you know different friends she had from high school. And that she was still very tied to the ones that she, you know, stayed in contact with through social media. And I said, yeah, I wish I would have had that when I went to college because it was just very different then. And I said, it's nice because you can keep those relationships intact. If you want to find somebody, you can text them, you can Facebook message them, all of that. And when the opportunity that I pursued and eventually came into at Fox World Travel came up, I thought, well, I don't necessarily want to leave the industry, but then I thought, well, there's so many great people I've met. It's not that I necessarily have to leave them. So I made the decision to, you know what, let's pursue this and see what happens. And three months later, I was offered the position here.
0: Rebecca, what does your job look like now compared to what you were doing with AIA as Director of Business Development?
1: It's very marketing. It's kind of interesting, though, and I'll get to that in a minute, but it was totally marketing. So AIA and, and really most of the promotional products industry, it's very B2B. You're working with other businesses. You're trying to influence consumers, but usually through that client that you have at that business you're working with. And starting in vacation travel here, vacation travel is all B2C. You have individuals and families and small groups of people taking vacations. So it was my first time totally in a consumer marketing role ever. Yeah. And you know, you're using different media. So besides promotional products, you are using broadcasts we're doing social, great, you know, doing a lot more with Google. I've done my analytics training and certification and all of that, where I didn't have as much of a need to do that before. It was yep. an interest, but it wasn't something that was really a responsibility. So how do you get into people's minds? It didn't come into business development at all. But as I've had conversations with coworkers, my boss, others, that's, well, have we thought about doing this? Have we thought about doing this? And the business development hat kind of went on. And yep. it's, oh, you know, we should measure this. We should look at this. So it's not experience I plan to use, but I think they were happy I came in with it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So I'm really curious about your take on the similarities between the promotional products business and the travel industries. Mm -hmm. I certainly have my take, but I'm curious Mm -hmm. as to what you think, given that you've been in the role for the last year and a half.
1: Sure. And whether it be business travel or vacation travel, they're different, but they're a little bit similar. So in promotional products, you have your supply chain, you have whoever's you know, manufacturing the product, and they may be going direct to that end user, but chances are they're not. They're working with a supplier, somebody else working with a distributor, and then you know working with a business and eventually getting to that end user. In promotional products, you do have maybe buying groups or groups that people affiliate with, and then you have others that don't. They're totally independent in travel you really have a lot of the same things so you have yeah. you know you have people doing it out of their home and they may specialize in working with one vendor and one type of client you have very large companies doing just business travel which is a little bit more transactional but you have other software other connections that you have to have in place to have those clients and you do have suppliers. So you think about it. If you're planning a trip to, let's say, Italy, you have Italy, you have people that live in Italy, you have businesses that they have and, and all the various experiences that you can have there. You have tourism boards that are promoting that. You do have some consolidators. You do have some other vendors that are then packaging different types of tours to Italy. You're also working with, say, Delta or you know whoever the airline would be. And then you have that travel agent that is a little bit more of the role of the distributor working with hopefully that end user who's going to travel. So the supply chain is different, but it's very similar.
0: Yeah, exactly. Hearing you say that, I suppose the tour guide in Italy or the hotel in Italy or the restaurant overseas is basically your supplier and you're mm-hmm. packaging something where you can go and package something nice for an end client, someone who's in Raleigh, North Carolina, who wants to go to Italy, let's say. Exactly. Um, so it it's interesting to hear that. So we talk a lot about the online competition disruption mm-hmm. that we're seeing from firms like your former employer being a notable example. How does Fox, the company that you work in right now, which is at least from what I understand, not mm-hmm. a pure online player, how do you compete with the Expedias, the Travelocities, the kayaks of the world, which I would really equate to for imprint and e promos and so on and so forth? Is your business under siege or are you killing it?
1: I think we're doing well, but at some point years ago, before I came here, somebody recognized okay, you know, you have the Expedias, you have the others out there that are a threat. And, you know, as you watch them, they're not going to go away. But you also know that as you know, both of you in what you do and running your businesses, there's also business that you don't necessarily want to take on sometimes, maybe because it's not profitable, or it's not something that you specialize in. So an example would be on our vacation side, we really pride ourselves in our people, we have 80 agents, they all have very specific backgrounds and experiences. And And we really go to market with our people and what they can provide and how they can provide it and all of that. And whether it be in business travel, too, again, it's the people that really make part of that. If I'm going for a weekend to Cedar Rapids, Iowa, because my daughter has a softball tournament there, I can go on Hilton's website and book the room myself. And it's very quick and it's very easy. And not that, you know, some of those don't offer commissions, but they really don't. So unless you're doing large volumes of that, like some of those other players out there, it's not necessarily the business you want to focus on. And I think it's allowed the company to focus more on, okay, premium and luxury travelers. How can we work with them and provide that personal service versus somebody who may not value really what we can bring?
0: Right. So this touches upon something really interesting. And I wonder whether the travel industry is actually a little bit ahead of the promotional products industry in this respect. You mentioned that a consumer can go right to Hilton.com, they can go purchase a room, and they're done with it, okay? Mm-hmm. Uh, or you can go and do it for them, and there's likely a very minimal commission, if anything, right? It's probably not even sure. worth your while. The analogy, as you were saying that, would be akin to a consumer going to PolyConcept or to Logomark or to Sanmar, not to highlight those suppliers, but they're just big suppliers mm-hmm. and purchasing something off of their website. Is there a difference between that? Because this whole idea of Hilton accepting business from consumers direct would be the same thing as a supplier selling director in our industry. Or am I misinterpreting that?
1: No, not totally. I guess there definitely would be similarities to it. And it's, you know, in promotional you have various associations and, you know, the regionals and PPAI and, and others. And they keep an eye on things and obviously businesses keep an eye on things for each other and with each yep. other. In travel, you have some of the same things. You probably have some larger groups like that. Yep. But you know whether it's you know pick a household brand of a hotel chain and they do pay commissions, if they suddenly have ad campaigns that are very much come directly to us and book, the travel agent side of it, they do get a little bit up in arms. So they're trying to play both sides of it. We recognize that people will go there directly and they may book a room, but if they want more of an experience than booking a room and they're looking for a few days and wherever that destination is and what else can we do there that'll give us a great experience, we want that person then coming to a travel agent and working with it. How can we, through our expertise, give them that experience versus going to Hilton.com and then using the maps and trying to figure it out yourself? So there's a little bit of a balance and those companies do have to play a little bit of a balance game to keep everyone happy.
0: Sure. I mean, I think at the end of the day, it's the difference between that transactional sale versus a solution sale. And we'll get into this a little bit later on Mm -hmm. in the interview. But it's just so interesting that when you think about your business, Danny at Brandfuel or Right Sleeve on my side, I think we collectively have made a decision that we're not interested in selling 12 t-shirts to a random person that's coming in off the internet that just is looking for 12 cheap t-shirts. In that mm-hmm. case, we're actually more than happy to refer them to for imprint who I'm sure will do a great job for them. But if that person is looking for a larger merchandise program with design services and a little bit more strategy that's wrapped around it, then we know that we can beat most people in the market because we've optimized our business for that. And so it sounds like it's similar to what you've done at Fox, that if you're looking for this great experience in Italy and you want your handheld and you're prepared to pay for that, like not excessively, but you're just Mm -hmm. prepared to pay for that service, then Fox is going to be a million times better than Expedia simply because of your account team is really optimized for that.
1: Yeah, exactly. And and some of it's too just, you know, you're speaking to somebody who always did her own travel until she started working here just because I could and I knew how and I thought, hey, I like to do it myself and I'm a Gen Xer and that's what I do. You know, we've worked with different people, and it's looking at, you know, millennials, looking at Gen Xers, and you have that selling proposition of what's your time worth. And I will tell you, there have been times where I've been on Expedia over the years where I'm like, should I try that hotel or that hotel? Should I do this or not do this? And you go back and forth, and to pay a very small service fee to somebody to tell you, you know what, this might not be worth your time, but I just sent someone there, and they love this, and this is why, and here's their pictures, and it sounds like you're. It's just very different but again they have to do the solution selling versus just okay I can book you on a flight to Rome yep great yep you know it's again it's as good as that agent or salesperson or whoever that person yep. is that's the experience that they can help provide yeah. for you
0: absolutely I'm going to ask one last question then I want to turn it over to Danny but this is the final question about the travel industry because I'm just fascinated by the makeup of that industry and how in many respects it's quite similar to our industry in the promo world is there a rough breakdown between the different types of players in the travel industry. So I'm specifically interested in your solo, independent agents that may work out of their home, let's say. Number two would be the agency. I suspect Fox would be in this category. And then the third category, the pure online player. I'm sure there's other categories and you're welcome to represent them. But I'm just curious roughly the the breakdown between the industry? Like, is it 95% Expedia and everyone else is 5% or is it not as dominant as that?
1: Yeah, I would say it's not as dominant as that. And I can't give you exact numbers because I don't know the exact numbers, but you do have, you know, a few players out there. I mean, Expedia, but you have all the others and some of them own each other and all of that. And then you have the agencies that do both business travel and vacation travel, such as us, and we're, you know, we're in the top... believe the top 35 in the country. So we're pretty large. And then you have a lot of small ones that you have some other big ones, you have some other small ones, and then you have small ones that are part of, they're aggregated. So they're not necessarily part of a consortium, but they pay somebody. Essentially, they're not a franchise, but it's a business opportunity to align their agency with somebody else and pay a small service fee and get a little bit more marketing and recognition and all of that. It's tough to say the breakdown because I don't want to say it's a third and a third and a third, but because there's so many different specialties within then those large agencies, et cetera, you'd almost have to look at, you know, airline tickets. So who's selling the most airline tickets? You know, are those the Expedias or are they others? And I would say would gravitate a little bit more that way. But if you're looking at luxury cruises on a very high-end cruise line, chances are no one's booking those on Expedia. Correct. And I don't know that they're working with Expedia. So they're probably working with either the larger companies or somebody who is that high-end cruise specialist and they're all over the country just selling a specific line of cruise and doing very well doing that because they're the go-to and seen as the go-to in that echelon of people if they want to do the high-end cruises.
0: Right. Just like in the promo world, that if you're an expert in safety or in mm-hmm. online company stores or fulfillment or whatever the specialty may be, it's it's very analogous. So thank you for answering all those questions. I just sure. interested <laughs> sure. in, in the makeup of the travel business. I think we can learn a lot from some of the approaches you're taking. And I will say I'm not necessarily advocating that the big suppliers go and sell direct. That's not what I'm suggesting like what do. dot com is doing, but it's just interesting to see what they're doing. So that's yeah. my disclaimer.
2: I think I'm going to quote Bobby LaHue, our friend and one of the Promo Kitchen founders, says that everybody has a story to tell. And I think he's talking about brands for the most part and how do they tell that story. So I'm going to ask you to put your storytelling hat on, Rebecca, and I'm going to ask you a question around what we feel is some delicious irony around you going from AIA and the, the promotional products industry to the role you're in now, where really you are a buyer, a consumer and end buyer of promotional merchandise in many ways, and your team is, and you've got a likely a significant budget around that. But tell us the story about your Facebook post and the LinkedIn and, and all of the things that happened fairly recently and sort of what went through your mind there. And tell us a good story, if you would.
1: Sure. Well, go back a little further, but I'll keep it brief. As I mentioned, when I came over into this industry in this position, you know, there are a lot of people that I worked with in promotionals that, you know, I hope you do well, occasionally reaching out, seeing how things were going, vice versa, or having a question, do you remember the account that did X, Y, and Z three years ago, that kind of thing. And I started getting all these LinkedIn requests from people that were aligned with a specific company within promotional And I accepted some, didn't accept all because I thought, okay, I showed up on somebody's prospecting list. Now I'm a marketing director at this type of a company. But, you know, I I would go through those and typically accept kind of depending on the situation. And as I was getting those, again, when you're in business development and you're in recruiting, I had a team that would reach out to people. I also had others that maybe people would reach out to us with questions about the company and what our offering was. And I would do different shows that were in promotional products throughout the year, as well as some of my coworkers. And a few names started popping up. And as you both know, if you've ever had a customer or a prospect or anybody that ever not just said, you know, no, thank you, we're not interested, but gave your team a very hard time and maybe you gave you personally a hard time for wasting their time, et cetera, et cetera, those names stand out, especially if they're kind of unique names. So what happened a little Danny earlier this Rosen, month. Danny Rosen, is
0: that one of those names? Sorry. Danny
1: Rosen was not one of the names. I, okay, have, I,
0: sorry.
1: I It's all very positive there's with Danny. It's all good. Does one rhyme
2: with Smart <laughs> Schmam? Does it rhyme with
1: no, smart? Schmam? No. <laughs> no, no. You're, right. you're no, you're both safe. I, you're
0: in the clear. I, I apologize. But Go ahead. One,
1: <laughs> one, one name came up, and it was, it was a name I remembered well. And one of the people who worked for me just went over the coals with this person. And I met with the person at a show a few years ago and pretty much had to kick them out of the meeting room because they were abusive. We had some of our affiliates in there. It just wasn't a good situation. And this person decided to reach out to me on LinkedIn and I'd like to join your network. And I'm thinking, no, and I hit delete. And it was kind of the straw that broke the camel's back because I thought, You know, the tables are turned, and there's so many people that, again, said, no, thank you, or the timing's not right, or just were professional, and you build relationships with those people. And I will link and connect with those people all day long, but the handful of people that burn the bridges, it's tough to come back and rebuild them when suddenly you're thinking this person could now be my customer, even though I didn't treat them well before. I don't know that they necessarily remember that, but I remember Remember when you have one of your employees coming to you saying this guy was a real jerk and he said this to me and said that to me, but he's agreed to meet with you. And you're thinking, oh, great. And again, now the tables are turned and I'm not like that, but it was really fun to hit delete on the request that day. And that's what inspired the Facebook post.
2: Yeah, it sounds like a large dose of catharsis, promo catharsis. I'm going to buy that URL now. Promo catharsis, <laughs> <laughs> delete people you don't want to do business with. You know, I was thinking about some advice around that, because I think what's important is the the sort of life and business lessons that we should all learn from that. And one thing that I've always heard, and I don't adhere to very well, but I want to continue to work on, is that you give three times before you ask. And Gary Vaynerchuk has a book out. I think it's Jab, 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 Right Hook. And I think that's really what that's about. It's the jab is the give, 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 and then the right hook is the ask. And it has to be done in a genuine way, and there needs to be a little plan around it. Sometimes you don't get anything in return, and that's okay. But, Rebecca, any life or business lessons that you sort of could share with the community?
1: Yeah, I think it's a great point because you, you have a couple of different things. If you're looking to gain a new customer and what other way you're going to do that, regardless whether you're a supplier, distributor, anybody – there's a couple of things that you're doing. And one is you do try to take a planned approach and learn what you can about them, but also what can you offer them? And sometimes what you can offer them comes after a conversation and you listening to them first before just coming out and saying, I can do this for you and I can do that for you. So you've got that going on, but it's knowing that you know anybody and distributors go through this because they have suppliers reaching out to them. They have recruiters reaching out to them. They have, you know, people that wanted them to advertise with them reaching out to them. And it's, you know, taking that phone call or you get that email. And if you're not interested, just being respectful about it, period. And that's okay. When I was doing recruiting, if somebody really wasn't interested, it was okay. And you still did the, okay, they're saying no, or they're saying maybe, and I'll come back later. But you try to build the relationship. And that way, if they were interested, you might be that person that they went to. And mm-hmm. You know, it's, again, just being respectful about it, because at the end of the day, you have nothing to regret about being respectful to somebody. And if they don't take that news well, all you can do is look back at yourself and think, but I was respectful back. You know, I said, no, thank you. You don't want to burn any bridges, especially willingly burning bridges.
2: Yeah. Amen. That's really good advice. So now that you've sort of taken a little sidestep, a little do dough, do a little tango outside of the industry and you are in the role you're in. Looking back at the promotional products industry, now that you're in a buying position, what does it look like to you now? Are there some differences in the industry that you're seeing? I mean, I'm not talking just about changes that are happening, but your perspective now. Anything different that you can share?
1: I don't know if it's different, but it's reinforced some of the things that I saw when I was in the industry. So you look at the education that's offered in the industry, for instance, and you know, it's all over the board, but it's really trying to make people better at what they're doing and the solution selling and how do you work with that client to find the solution versus taking an order and saying, here's your pens or, you know, I'm slamming the trunk and here's your catalog and I'll come back next week and see what you want to buy. And, you know, I remember being in the industry and kind of laughing about that, thinking there can't really be people out there like that. Well, yes, there are. So I've really learned from being in there. I don't know that it's changed. But after working with a small number of distributors and in different ways, really working with the spectrum and seeing firsthand on the other side of the table, somebody who's really, really, really good at what they're doing, see them go to work and thinking, if I were back in the industry, I would put this person in front of on a stage and make a whole bunch of people watch what they did because they were that good. And when you're in the industry you emulate to be like that or work with people like that, but you don't see it from across the table. And when you're across the table from that, maybe I have a bigger appreciation of it, knowing that it's not easy to do that, to be like that. But I think that's kind of my biggest takeaway and what I see on this end.
0: Fantastic. Rebecca, I'm curious, how many cold calls do you get from random people trying to sell you promotional products now?
1: If I don't count LinkedIn... If I actually, you know, count somebody reaching out or getting my phone number, I would say maybe a couple of months. So it's it's right. not tons of them, and that would be between promotional and print. You know, somebody who offers both typically.
0: Right, right. So these would be people that don't know you from your past days that are connecting on Facebook or LinkedIn. These are just correct random people that look up marketing managers and go and cold call them or email them.
1: Correct. Or they're part of a company and maybe we're given a territory and then they looked up right. various companies that may sell things or buy things and reached out to me.
0: Right. So now that you're an end user, what does it take to sell you? So if I were to call you and say mm-hmm. that I was so-and-so from Brand I'll <laughs> well, stop my joke here. It's going to be very bad. They're hired. <laughs> oh, God. I, I'd get the really bad accent going. I would get a call from Robert Five Ash. He would not be happy about that. Okay. We're going to keep Brand Fuel out of this. Brand Fuel is an amazing distributor, by the way. Um, but what does it take for you to say, yes, I will consider a meeting, as opposed to the common excuse, which is, sorry, not interested. I'm currently working with someone, which is, is in most cases, just a, an excuse? when you hear a really bad sales pitch.
1: So there's a couple things at play. When I came here, the company was already working with some promotional products companies and still is working with some of those same companies. And sometimes you, and I'm sure you both run into this, you go someplace where you have, you know, people that you work with that go someplace and they're working with somebody because somebody is either a relative or a client or whatever it would be. So you know that that relationship is in place and you're not going to break that relationship because there's plenty of business and it's okay to give others some of that business. But I think now, just having worked with, there's a couple of different companies that I've worked with, and I was familiar kind of with both before coming here. One already was entrenched here in some things, but definitely not in as much as they are now. And the other one was, again, somebody I knew from my days at AIA. And if somebody called me or whatever it was, tell me what you can do differently for me, but don't say, well, we can do this and we can do that it's just saying, I've seen some of the things that you're doing. I'm intrigued by this. Maybe taking some time to learn about our business, because honestly, we have a lot of information online about our business. A lot of it's very public domain and travel in a lot of companies. You check out the website and you can pretty much put our story together, get the basics together. And maybe send something to me saying, I've done some research. This is something I'm thinking about. Do you do this? But an idea or a concept And at least it would give me that five minutes to pause and think, okay, I should read through this or look at this. And then you decide, you know what? I mean, at the end of the day, if I spend 10, 15 minutes meeting with somebody who's going to be in the area, I don't mind doing that because you never know what that person's going to bring. Or something happens six months from now and you're thinking, I need a backup plan. That's sometimes where you get in. And I've been in that situation Working with others before, either as the distributor or with the distributor, where they got that opportunity, and that's how you get in, and something bigger develops from it. So, I don't want to slam the door on anyone, definitely, because again, I've been on that other side of the table too, where you just want that five or 15 minutes with that person.
0: Right. Well, that's really interesting to get that. It's almost like, you you know, it's like insider knowledge that you bring to the table, and I'm sure that you're sitting there with a friendly but yet critical. I, when someone is sitting across the table from you and you're thinking, hey, I did this 18 months ago and I Mm -hmm. was pretty good at it, and you're either not very good at this right now or you're actually (laughs) much better than I was back in my day, and you know, credit to you. So,
1: or you're trying, you're trying, you're doing the right things and you're trying, and I give people a lot of credit for trying.
0: Sure, I think that's great. That's it for me. I wanted to see, Danny, if you've got anything else that you'd like to ask Rebecca, and then of course, Rebecca, we'd love to give you the last word in terms of anything that you'd like to share with the Promo Kitchen community before we close things off. But Danny, anything that you'd like to add before we turn it over to Rebecca?
2: No, I appreciate the similarities between the industries. I think there are a lot of people who compare the promotional products industry with the travel agency industry. And, and I think that the stories that you've told and the common threads are, I don't know, things that Hopefully people are taking a heart and recognizing that there are some challenges, but there's also a lot of opportunities, and just really proud of you to have taken that step and to use the knowledge you have gotten from your service and time in the promotional products industry, and then coming back and sharing it with us. It really feels good. I I think there are a lot of people that miss you, and, and that's one reason why we've reached out to you, and this type of conversation I hope we'll be able to have in the future because you know our industry, and you know what it's like to manage a marketing budget, and, and I think you can continue to inform, and we just really appreciate that. So thanks for being on the show.
1: No, anytime. I mean, I'm use me as a resource however I can. I think the only thing I'd leave you with, and I, I touched on both these things before, but one is, again, develop relationships. Everyone is a key to a relationship, either a relationship directly with them or you don't know who they're going to know. And it's not about using people, but it's about how can you take that person you just met and, again, it's another person to know. People are great. So, you know, get to know a lot of them. The other thing is taking every bit of education and experience within the industry, whether you're supplier or distributor, how can you keep getting better at what you're doing and knowing that, you know, there's a distributor I work with right now that we just went through a rebranding. There were some things that happened right before that that created a little bit of chaos. And that person was my hero. And I'll never forget that. They were set to go. They're like, okay, you know, I'm going to come in. And and they were an hour and a half away. And I'm going to come in later this week. And let's sit down and go through everything. And I'll never forget that. And that's, again, everyone has a story like that where, you know, I saved this order, I did this. But I don't think he knows what a hero he was to me. And I probably should tell him that. But it made my life so much easier, and I was able to, instead of saying I made someone's life easier, it was, you know what, somebody made my life easier, and I didn't have a stressful day because of that, and that means a lot. So, again, you know, listening and keep getting better at what you're doing, and you never know the impact it might make on someone else. Right?
0: Isn't that what you say, Danny, that the root word of selling is the Latin word selling? I might be yeah, butchering this, but old okay. English. And and uh, and I think that there's a. Lot... Anyways, I butchered that, but but I think the, I think the spirit of it, you know, comes through in that, you know, whether it's in a selling environment or whether it's in a collaborative environment in, the, in a supply chain like we've got in the promotional industry or even in the travel industry or just even within a company. I think that people who put on their optimistic and enthusiastic frame of mind have a big impact on other people as opposed to being grouchy and you know, rude. And as as we can see from your example with those folks that were rude to you back at AIA and that now you're politely <laughs> not responding to their solicitations, now those people closed the door at the time when they were being short-sighted. So I love that story. <laughs> All right. Well, the next time we should do this podcast in Old English. What do you think about that, Danny? That
2: sounds great. Walking.
0: that's right it'll all be about beowulf all right rebecca danny this was so much fun and we can't wait to get this up online for our community to listen to we'll talk to you soon thanks again for listening to this edition of the promo kitchen podcast if you like what you hear you can subscribe to the podcast through itunes or wherever you get your podcasts and remember you can always get involved in the promo kitchen community by visiting us at promokitchen.org you can also show your support by donating to our cause at promokitchen.org donate. We would sincerely appreciate it. See you next time. Thank you.